everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. H, I know we pitch games at each other every week, but I've designed a game that I think maybe we could start incorporating into the oh, show. No. You've done more homework than has ever been done on the show before. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went all the way through the trouble and I, you, you know, listeners to this show know you have a fantastic breadth of video game knowledge. I feel like I can't name a single indie thing or whatever. And you just know it. <laughs> you just know it. It's crazy. And so. Well, thank you. <laughs> what I've done here is I've, I'm, I'm, I've made a game for you that I'm calling Government Memo Games. <laughs> The reason reason I'm calling it that is because uh, the government, if people don't know, they when they create a memo, sometimes they will black out or redact certain sections of it so that you can't read it. And so I've gone to Metacritic and found different games' descriptions, their summaries, and I've redacted them like government memos out of anything <laughs> that is specifically identifiable. So is this like the top of page summary on Metacritic, the one that kind of like describes the general consensus to the game or what yes and i i have a hundred percent faith that you are not going to cheat and go and google this on <laughs> no, no no i'm not gonna cheat <laughs> okay um but uh we could potentially make this an end of the show thing but i've i've got one for you to try now what do you think well let's uh let's hit me and then we can revisit at the end of the show it'll give people something to kind of look forward to it kind of sandwich the episode okay i'm gonna see if i can ease you into it and i think people who know <laughs> this one will will be able to follow along so, as a young boy, Redacted is tricked by Redacted, the king of the Redacted. <laughs> it keeps going. The evil human uses Redacted to gain access to the sacred realm, where he places his tainted hands on Redacted and transforms the beautiful Redacted landscape into a barren wasteland. There's a little bit more, but let me know if you need me to keep going. Sacred Realm sounds so familiar. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> so let's see. Let's make sure I'm following the story so far. So there's, yes. there's a young boy, young boy who's lied to. Yes, tricked. Tricked, right. So he's tricked into opening the Sacred Realm for some sort of presumably older person so that the older person can touch something he's not supposed to. <laughs> Oh God, I, I feel like you already know it. <laughs> no, no, I'm uh I feel like I should. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Okay, all right, here we go. That was uh that was the opening salvo. So I'll break these up into two parts just in case you need to go. All right. Okay. This is worthless points now because I <laughs> I'm giving you more. Redacted is determined to fix the problem. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> uh, let me just uh, let me just throw in and see if actually, yes, Sacred Realm. All of this is sounding so familiar. Yes. So, hmm. Uh, is this Ocarina of Time? <laughs> you son of a dog! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> It was either that or Fable. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So that is uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. The, the words that were redacted is, as a young boy, Link is tricked by Ganondorf, the king of the Gerudo thieves. The evil okay. human, <laughs> which is such a generic thing to say, uses Link <laughs> to gain access to the sacred realm where he places... Do they call him the evil human? The evil That's human. The <laughs> 
which is, it feels like a very Nintendo description, doesn't it? Uh, where he places his tainted <laughs> hands on the Triforce and transforms the beautiful Hyrulean oh, landscape see. into a barren wasteland. Yeah, okay. Wow, well done. You know, Ocarina of Time, weirdly enough, is one of the only Zelda games that I've never, like, played all the way through. <laughs> oh, really? Just kind of a silly thing. Like, I, uh, I've played most of them for Canon Rinse or just for personal enjoyment. But uh, yeah, you know, I've played like the original all the way through. I've played uh, Zelda 2 all the way through. I've played the Game and uh, Game and Watch one all the way through. There's uh, most of the Zelda games I've played uh, to completion, but Ocarina of Time is one where I've played like a little bit here and there. And I watched my brother, I think, play through like I think all of the majority of it, all of it, I don't know, is a long, long time ago. And like for that reason, I kind of have in my mind like the general gist of the story. So I've never like needed to revisit myself. But like I, I understand that I, I probably should. I, I need to kind of have that experience like one of myself. It's it's one of those things where I feel like uh, it hit at such such the right time for me you know like 3d games were becoming a thing i remember seeing the demo in a GameStop mm-hmm. or a best buy and just thinking it was the coolest thing that could ever be um to to just get my hands on it and and play it and so it, it really burned itself into my memory in a way that like i am sure um that the zeldas of uh like Breath of the Wild even is a superior game in almost every way, depending on what you like in games. But I mean, technically and execution wise, mm. it's superior in every way. But uh, something about Ocarina of Time, I think, is like in a certain age of gamers consciousness permanently. That's cool. I, I know how, how much of a popular pick it is. I always kind of viewed that in the same light as Final Fantasy VII, where it's like that is always going to be a certain contingent of gamers like absolute favorite in the series even though like objectively we've done better since then <laughs> right right exactly but, like i still like i'm not going to take that away from anyone <laughs> like there are better zelda games there are better final fantasy games but if that's your favorite that's totally fine <laughs> one of the companies that i think is like weirdly immune to this because their games feel so massive and uh, of a moment is rockstar for me, I feel like it's always like okay. whatever the latest Rockstar game is, is always the mm. best because they just, you know, they take so long between releases and they they really up the ante almost every time. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, if other people feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked Grand Theft Auto 4, but then, I mean, going to table tennis was just like, whoa. <laughs> table tennis was the worst Grand Theft Auto game for sure. <laughs> okay anyway so let's get to some video game pitches this is fun i like this let's revisit at the end of the show okay i've got a harder one for you queued up then all right cool then we'll uh we'll wait for that i have a very unstructured pitch today so um i don't remember if i talked about it on one of the previous shows but i recently i've always kind of wanted to uh to buy a like a dj controller a dj a turntable set like for um you know electronic music mixing and stuff mm. and i just like it was one of those things where it's like i would put it on my you know christmas list when i was in middle school or something just because it seemed like so cool and you know of course it never came in because it's just a like a little bit more expensive than the typical christmas gift and it was just like you know how often is he going to use this and it just came to be one of those things that i pushed in the back of my mind like a warhammer set or something like that you know but um 
just recently I was like, I was thinking about it again and I was like, you know what? I'm an adult now. I could just buy it for myself. It's not that expensive. And so I did. I, I bought myself a turntable set and um, I've been uh, enjoying kind of playing around with it. I'm no kind of killer DJ just yet. But um, uh, one of the things that I did when I uh, when I bought it was I picked up a game on Steam called Spin Rhythm XD. That is a uh, uh, it's kind of like Guitar Hero, um, kind of like DJ Hero in a way. But this is a game that also, uses this controller. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So you don't need to have one. You can control it with your mouse. But the way it works is that um, there's a it's kind of a standard like note stream kind of coming down the screen, Guitar Hero style. Uh, where, where each note is one of two colors and then there's a wheel at the bottom of the screen that you control with the turntable deck or you control with your mouse or whatever control method you use a controller and it has kind of like a candy cane pattern of two colors and basically you just need the notes to fall into the appropriate color so that means kind of making micro adjustments to the wheel to make sure that you're kind of following the pathways and making sure that you line it up right and then there's you know different things that you do along the way there's um certain indications to tap the other uh the other deck or you could press buttons on the it's all kind of custom mappable uh, there's like bass hits there's uh indications that you need to spin the wheel quickly or to to scratch and stuff like that so um it, it's a lot like a uh, dj hero in a way <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's pretty neat. It's still pretty early in production. It's still early access. There's no no fail mode yet, which is a constant frustration as I'm trying to learn it. <laughs> but uh, it, it got me thinking, you know, if you know this type of rhythm game seems like a pretty easy fit, although the way that it plays almost feels more like a uh, like a vertically scrolling shoot 'em up in a way, like a bullet hell shooter. Oh, because the positioning. Yeah, yeah. It's all about kind of like very fine positioning as these uh, different kind of colored objects uh, are uh, um, coming towards your, uh, you know, the hit plane in a way. And it's all about kind of like weaving through patterns and making micro adjustments and kind of changing colors and stuff on the go, like Ikaruga style. And so, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like that's the kind of experiential feeling that it gave me while I was playing it. And so I was wondering what other types of games could we specifically build around a DJ controller, non-rhythm game genre? What can we do with that controller? So let's go ahead and uh, start the clock. I feel like something that is going to be a, a frame of reference here potentially is just straight up uh panic's play date you know there's yeah. that sort of uh i know the developer of katamari has that game that is a guy sort of going about his day and he is uh, you essentially control the flow of time with the crank and i wonder if we could do some time travel stuff potentially with uh with the dj turntable that's a good idea i think the th interesting thing about a dj controller is that you have two two decks you know you have two uh record plates and so you know you can you can spin them independently there's you know it makes sense for one of them to control the flow of time it makes sense for the other to control something different um i was also thinking about i don't know for some reason like underwater exploration one of the first games i ever played on pc was an ubisoft game called subculture where you are like exploring an undersea landscape in a submarine 
And I wonder if like something like that could also work with, um, with DJ controllers. Are there any vehicles or anything that like are actually in real life controlled by like, like spinning knobs or anything like that? It could be like a ham radio setup. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also thinking that's a good question. A vehicle game. Well, you've got two, right? Mm-hmm. So theoretically you, you do have kind of pitch and yaw as a very weird disc based, like flight right. sim or something like that. Mm. Or, or even like, it could be a cool, imagine like a, a Tron like spaceship where the controls are all digital. And so you get like a physical manifestation of the two axes with the, uh, the discs. Yeah. What calling them? The decks, I guess is what <laughs> I should also, uh, just to kind of make sure that all the cards are on the table here. The uh, the decks also have several buttons on each side, uh, usually kind of queuing up effects and um, that kind of thing during a, a DJ playlist. But um, there's also several kind of smaller knobs in the middle if you want to do anything with those. And then, of course, the volume sliders, one for each channel, and then the fader in between the two channels. So... Again, we don't have to use all of them, but uh, that's, you know, what we have available to us. I do like where your mind's at with the vehicle control, because the, like, this this does map to a spaceship for me, like the fader in between being like a thruster control that is separate from the uh, the pitch and the yaw of the, the vehicle, which I guess you could do for underwater too, right? As long as you have three-dimensional mm-hmm. navigation that don't let nintendo know they'll ruin Star Fox again if they they catch wind of this (laughs) the fader could be an interesting tool to kind of like shift the balance of power between two systems i'm thinking like a oh gosh what was that game called um affordable space adventures on the wii u where you can control different systems of a spaceship independently and kind of but you couldn't control them all at the same time so if you were diverting a lot of your attention to the thrusters, uh, energy to the thrusters, then uh, it would leave other systems, you know, unpowered during that time. And so it's kind of a way of uh, you were supposed to kind of play co-op and so you can kind of work together to explore. But um, if you're playing it individually, then you'd really have to split your attention. So uh, the um, the crossfader can be an interesting way of kind of like shifting the power balance away from the engines and towards the weapons or away from the shields and towards the communications fields or something. I don't know. I wonder if there's also an angle that you could take that is uh, like off of the Octodad series, you do a DJ dad mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and DJ dad is a, a physics sim where a dad is a DJ, but like can't get out from behind the turntable. So you have to figure out how to control his limbs and his, his stuff with the, the two, the two turntables. <laughs> it would be pretty funny to have to like, if, um, Hmm. If if he had some sort of a special, I was thinking like, I rewatched the first season of Death Note recently. Mm. <laughs> Weird uh, parallel to be drawing here, but I, I like this idea of there's this um, this kind of god of death that's following uh, the main character around, and nobody can see him except for this main character, and so he's got all these kind of machinations that are going on that no one, no one else is able to observe. If this DJ deck is invisible to everyone else, but he still has to like operate his body 
as if it is like his hands are connected to these different pieces. Um, and then all the buttons and knobs could be used for like adjusting things in the environment. Uh, the different buttons can be used for like repeating actions. Um, because you know, the, the buttons are like how you make, uh, certain, certain, uh, notes in a measure repeat. So if you want to do the, like the, a a a a type of effects, then you can uh, hit a button to do that. They can be used for like fade outs. They could be used for like a, like a breaking effect. They could be used for setting cue points. I don't know. I think that's, that's interesting. The, the two, like the two spinning discs themselves, I could also see like a real range of like arcade possibilities so like you could do like a an interesting two-player version of pong where each person has two paddles that they're sort of controlling one for one so i think there's you know there's a lot of cool arcade-ish experiences that you could even dress up and and do almost like a musical treatment too like what if uh what if the res team or (laughs) or the tetris effect team went on and did pong what if uh we could do an overhead boxing game where each deck controls one of the arms that kind of like comically arcs around. And so I don't know how you would control movement and positioning. Cause that's, that's such an important part of boxing, but it would just be like kind of silly and fun to, to control those two arms swinging like independently of each other and how hard you swing is, how hard the the punch lands on the other side. Is there anything that would like, I mean, I, I'm sure there is, but like is spinning too fast or anything like that going to damage these things? Cause I'm trying to also think of like, what are the limits, the physical limits of the device? Yeah, no, they're just kind of like wheels. And so, you know, there's, um, you probably shouldn't like beat down on them with a hammer, but they seem pretty resistant to all kinds of spins. You know, one of the DJ moves is to like kind of rapidly flick it and just let it spin for a while and to do like a rapid rewind or something like that, you know? I wonder if there's something like, if there's almost like a franchise that maps well onto this. Could this be, could you do like a Tony Hawk or something on these things? What about a skating, <laughs> a, a skateboarding game? I feel like there's there's that feeling of like, balancing the person on the board huh. and also like maintaining momentum with the other wheel. That'd be interesting. You can do a 2d side on skateboarding game where, uh, the different decks represent your feet oh. and how they're balanced. Oh, I don't man. know how you could like lift your feet or anything like that, but you could like kind of shift all of your weight to the back to manual or to Ollie. Yeah. And, and then you'd have to do like a two handed, like, jump almost to ollie <laughs> wow uh, yeah it mm, let's see it feel like it's very close to making sense in my mind but it's not quite there just yet i mean you could do uh surfing or anything like that that is less jump dependent you know um something that's more balanced than it is about you know, that level of uh, a kind of aerial physicality whereas we have uh, just a very short amount of time left let's come out with one more kind of neat idea and then we can close it down i actually i mean i know this is a one-to-one but i think you are remiss if you don't do a kick-ass frisbee game (laughs) all right i like it frisbee very cool okay let's uh let's close it down and come up with a name for it it's gonna say if we were gonna do that octodad angle then uh i was gonna put forward the name dj daddy jeff (laughs) 
as a uh, nice reference to one of the pioneers of the art form. <laughs> DJ Daddy Jeff uh, is that that works. Jeff is my father's name, so that's a little. Oh, it's an homage for me to say. <laughs> so put this in the capsule for Father's Day, so we have a real good <laughs> good story to tell. Oh boy. Do we want to just use that or do we want to come up with something that's a little bit more cross-genre applicable? What if you did um, like the D, like you you bundle it all together and you call it like the uh, the DJ deck game mega pack or something like that? Like an action 52 type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just what is I know Nintendo has that 52 games coming out in one. So maybe, maybe yeah. there's something there. D, the DJ or turntables, 55 games in one. Are there any numbers that are associated with DJs in any way? Is there, what is the ones and the twos? Is that anything? I feel like when people uh, say put that on the ones and the twos is like the first and the second uh, deck. I always feel like there's a BPM, like the, you know, the 90 beats per minute or 170 if you're doing fast club music. Uh, if If we were to do like, if there were 90 games in one, if we can come up with an, an interesting thing for BPM to stand for, like... Oh, uh, B, um, best played... Mini games. <laughs> <laughs> That's real dumb. Yeah, best played mini games, BPM. And then 90 we do the- best played <laughs> mini games. Yeah. It's up to you, the community, to come up with the remaining 72. <laughs> so <laughs> feel free to write in. We'll be waiting. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that went well. Yeah, Q, why don't you uh, why don't you pitch a game of your own? Okay, so uh, my game this week. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe because he hasn't had a new game in a while. But I was thinking about Rayman, and so I started talking it's been to too my long man. I've been thinking about him too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about Rayman lately. I'm like, why aren't they doing more with Rayman? So. Um, one of my favorite games for the PlayStation Vita that is also on the Nintendo Switch, um, I think it's a PlayStation uh, 4 game as well, is called Velocity 2X. Um, and this is a kind of yeah, yeah. fast-paced game where you're this uh, cool pilot that pilots a ship and then she can also get out of the ship and, and do little... And that's the one with the teleporting? Yeah, and the like little platforming yeah. challenges in addition to the sort of right, right. space yeah, combat. Good game. So I was... I was thinking, what if you did something like that with Rayman, and you had these kind of large, uh, uh, maybe slightly non-linear levels where Rayman can kind of go around, uh, almost like a, a Yoku's Island Express, and then there are little puzzles, these like offshoots, where you can detach, well they're not really even attached, you can kind of wander off as Rayman's limbs, uh, and take <laughs> on... Uh, you have to kind of be small to get into these little areas and do many either puzzles or platforming challenges as just one of the limbs. And the limbs could control differently uh, depending on which limb you are. But uh, then you can, of course, once you accomplish your task, maybe get a, a power up or something like that or solve the puzzle, you can come back, be part of Rayman again and go about the uh, the leveling. Very cool. Let's go ahead and start the clock. So I... Uh... I have to be honest that, um, you know, I, I love Rayman Origins and uh, Rayman Legends. You know, Rayman Legends is my 15th favorite game of all time. Like it's it's uh, it ranks for me like it's it's one of the greats. Um, 
but I'm fairly inexperienced with the earlier Rayman games. I played the first couple worlds of Rayman 3, and I've played like maybe the first world of Rayman 2 um, okay. up until it made me do the like rapidly alternate between pressing two buttons type of thing that the N64 era thought was a good oh, idea God. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, as soon as you get any hint of carpal tunnel syndrome, it's just like, I just can't play this game for the rest of my life. And I guess that's okay. <laughs> Are we old man gamers? We I think be. so. I think yeah. that's what this is coming down to. <laughs> but um, so... I'm not sure if these ideas haven't been explored, but I I feel like Rayman's limbs being detached, just kind of floating, you know, opposite his body has been relatively unexplored for being like as immediately noticeable about his character design right. as it's been. Like, I love this idea. <laughs> yeah. Something about like, I remember, and I, I'm not a long time Rayman player. Like the, the Rayman for me is the, not the raving rabbits, but, uh, the the one that had sort of rhythmy levels um yeah. one of the most recent i guess the most recent rayman yeah um, legends legends that uh i remember playing it and 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 falling kind of being like this is a great platformer i can't believe they don't uh, make more of it and but i kind of looked twice because i originally again played it on vita i was going through my vita thoughts this week if you can't tell and uh <laughs> i was like is is his hands and feet not really a part of him? What's the deal with that? <laughs> so, you know, you know, the tiny screen or whatever. And so I, one of the things I do like is having it so that, uh, you almost get Mega Man style. I mean, Mega Man gets his upgrades from a boss, uh, or from the bosses. So maybe there's more of a, a hand can go off, do a puzzle. The hand gets upgraded in some way or the hand, you know, a hand has a certain type of attacks where he can kind of, squish and pinch and pull and it can kind of do those sort of things maybe you can take two limbs off at a time uh and you need a foot to stomp or walk or kick things out of the way then like as you get like a metal hand upgrade suddenly controlling the hand has a different weight and a different feel and maybe it's capable of surviving different environments and then it it just kind of comes back to Rayman as a as a gauntlet uh, that has been upgraded. I want to introduce another wrinkle into the yeah. uh the chronology of Rayman. There is very famously a uh, magazine ad that came out around uh, the time of Rayman 3, um advertising Rayman 3 in which Rayman is standing at a urinal and oh, okay. everyone around him at the neighboring urinals are looking at him in amazement. You can uh, you can find this picture by uh, Google image searching Rayman urinal, but it's um it's implying that Rayman I guess has a dick. Which what I, I don't know if which that means is it's also <laughs> detached from his body or if that is like underneath his torso coverings during the entire game what but if like, that's the one thing that is attached wouldn't that be more upsetting in a way? <laughs> i don't like the idea of just like if he were a nude rayman just walking around with like a detached penis hanging out in front of him just in the air randomly so we don't have to incorporate this into the game but like i want to think about like <laughs> you want to think about this okay. i mean there's yeah there, there might be other implications to the Rayman. Uh, I mean, we can 
we can utilize, I guess, every other part of his body that we might want to explore are probably already out there in the open. Are his fingers attached to his hands? Are his toes attached to his feet? Like, what are the rules of what's attached and what's not? <laughs> yeah, I I do like the, or maybe there's, I like the idea of playing through a level and getting bonuses for uh, never detaching one's limbs or something like that. Or maybe limbs can be now all of a sudden, I mean, I know we've pitched games in similar veins before, but maybe your limbs are destructible in some way, right? So if Raymond fully loses his, uh, well, dick was the word that we chose a little bit earlier. If he loses a dick or a hand or a foot uh, because a bad guy hit him, like then like now Rayman actually has a new sort of kind of control and platforming feel. I like the idea of like Rayman hopping on one leg around a level until he can go. And like, you know, that, that old school platformer feeling that doesn't super exist much anymore of, uh, Mario losing, like taking a hit, you become small Mario and that feeling of, I know I'm one hit away from having to go back to the checkpoint or whatever is a very old type of game design, but I think could be an interesting sensation to create with like the loss of limbs of like, okay, if I don't find another hand, then I know the boss is coming up and I'm going to be in, in real trouble here. What is the name of that? I think it's a Suda 51 game. I can picture the cover very clearly in my mind, but mm. I can't think of the name for some reason where the main character, um, has some sort of like a, like a is unkillable kind of curse. And oh. whenever he dies, his head gets blown off and you have to roll his head back to his body to like regain life. And he has, he has a gun that he calls his big boner, but I don't remember what the gun, what is the game Shadows is. Shadows of the Damned? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's the one. Shadows of the Damned. Good I'm job. looking through, I'm, I mean, I'm cheating. I'm looking through Suda 51's back catalog here and I'm trying to rack my brain, but that's a PS3 error. Right. Oh my God. What a. But I, I do like that idea of like having limbs detached and then having to regain them somehow. So you spoke yeah. about all of these, um, the different uh, kind of sub challenges being these limb rooms, these things that are too small for Rayman to fit into. So we'd have to stick one limb at a time to kind of navigate these challenges. I'd like if each limb were to be kind of different in the way that it approached the challenges, maybe the right hand could fly kind of like a horizontal scrolling shooter. Uh, left hand could walk around like Glover, maybe, maybe the foot can hop like a, like one of those Mario boot power-ups. I don't know the why I resisted. Come up with something different to do. Yeah, I don't know why I resisted mentioning Glover because, of course, you would know about Glover. Uh, I loved, I loved Glover back in the day. I also like the idea of having, um, you know, a really tight platforming level that is designed around an experience of counting on you losing limbs or counting on you changing limbs all the time. Maybe Rayman as he. Uh, defeats certain types of enemies he can gain uh you know one of their limbs or take one of their limbs and swap it out for a hand or a foot you know really quickly on the fly imagine like a little rayman radial menu <laughs> that uh, that comes up and you really quickly have to pick which one and like three countdown three two one and then you know pick which limb is going to be replaced but then like getting the you know i'll use a mario analogy here getting the b uh, stinger or something like that, uh, 
or the a B uh, wing instead of a hand, that thing can accomplish certain things when it goes into the little mini limb puzzle challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, we're just about out of time on that one. I don't know if we've really come up with much, <laughs> but uh, I like to think that we made some progress along the way. It was all about the journey. Um, I guess in the remaining seconds, let's summarize the interesting portions of the game that we're going to take forward. So I like the idea of these kind of mini sub rooms in which Rayman could, uh, could use one of his limbs to, you know, solve these different little puzzle challenges. I like if he fails these challenges or there are potentially other ways to lose this limb temporarily and you have to regain them and that would slow you down or keep you from performing certain actions. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a summary of the good ideas that we had along the way. <laughs> well, hey, they're, they're not all going to be good ideas, but we, there's, there's something there. Uh, what are we going to call this? Um, uh, well, I think since we are trying to, at least we're, this is a little bit of a campaign to make Rayman's genitalia uh, canon. Um, if it isn't already, we could call it Rayman Total Package. Feels like a uh, Ratchet and Clank game. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. <laughs> um, there's the Raving Rabbids. There's Legends. Are they the other ones just flat numbers? Well, there's Origins and Legends, which is kind of the new series. There's the Endless Runner games for iOS, which are like Fiesta Run and Jungle run i don't know so they they're all um, kind of uh well i guess like those are all verbs at the end maybe legends and origins have like an epic quality to them mm -hmm. what is like rayman extremities <laughs> extremities which speaks to it being a spin-off but also you know it kind of speaks to the uh the limbs focus what if you called it rayman extremis rayman extremis like He's some sort of a terrorist. No, not extremists. Extremists is in uh, extremities. Oh, is that a extremist conjugation? Extremist. I think it's like a yeah. I think so. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's put that in and see how that works. <laughs> Fair enough. At minimum, it sounds slightly Latin, so we've got something there. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, uh, let's circle over to our community and see what they um, see what they have for us this week. All right. We are, uh, again, running a bit low on game pitches. If you have anything, then feel free to write in. We will read it very soon. Uh, Mike Esquire says, I have just a broad idea for a game in mind, but I'm curious what you can do with it. The idea is for a Plague Inc. style game where instead of a disease, the player must spread the language of their nation around the world to become the dominant means of communication on the planet. Some factors that could impact the spread are, for example, how trade helped Arabic numerals become the most commonly used numeral symbols in the world, or the way that the popularity of some dishes, like pasta or sushi, has made those words recognizable in many countries. On the other hand, geographical barriers, wars, or different forms of government might stop or resist the spread of languages to some areas. It may be very wide, cerebral topic to try to gamify without a lot of uh, extra study, but I'm eager to hear what you make of it. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. All right, let's go ahead and start the clock on that one. What I like about this is it is kind of taking a exploded view. He meant, uh, you know, Mike mentions 
plague ink here, but uh, I, I, how can you not think about civilization when you listen mm-hmm. to this of like the cultural victory, right? Or the, the religious right, victory right. conditions of that game. So I wonder like, what does it mean to spread a language? I guess it's like going to a place and I insisting on using it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you think like, to become a culture's dominant language, it feels like you have to get in really, really early, perhaps. Uh, I don't want the game to just kind of like dead end after a few thousand years have passed, you know? I want, uh, you know, like you think about uh, how much English has infiltrated the rest of the world. Um, it's been, you know, very commonly spoken amongst most of the worlds, primarily because England and other European countries did some terrible things throughout history and ended up colonizing and enslaving a significant portion of the globe, which has kind of led to English being the kind of uh, default language in a way when you travel internationally. Um, so it, it's kind of a mixed history there, but uh, as um, as much as English has kind of permeated other cultures... There have been some cultures that have embraced English as their um, primary or secondary language. Um, Think about a lot of the kind of um, African or uh, some of the South Asian countries, um, you know, uh, but uh, there are some that maintain like their own language system, but utilize English sounding words to uh, to speak about ideas that were new kind of post the introduction of English culture or yeah, English culture. So I'm thinking about like, uh, like Japanese specifically how they'll write or they'll, they'll say, you know, words that have originated in the time since like the 1940s or the 1930s or, you know, whenever we became kind of like more integrally connected Mm. uh, to Japan. Um, they'll pronounce a lot of them like the English pronunciation of the word, but they'll write it out in katakana. So I don't know if that would be like what shields Japan from fully embracing, you know, English language. I wonder if there's like a simplicity and a complexity. So I wonder if like a uh, big surprise that the designer is going here, but um, I wonder if there's something to, we've kind of touched upon this, I think in previous pitches, but uh, designing a language and what goes into designing a language and like, does a language need to be, if we're talking about pure design, how well the language works, then uh, that is not a parallel for real life. Let's say no, that all right. the dominant languages in the world are English and Chinese, and both of them are uh, not very well structured, <laughs> but I, I so English and Chinese, you said? Yeah, we we're just thinking about like number of people, you know? Yeah, I I also wonder if there's something to... Are those two... Uh, I believe those two languages are like non-gendered as well. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, it could be. Um, so I maybe it's not necessarily like um, efficiency, but maybe simplicity or uh, memorability 
Um, I feel like we've Maybe got there's something to being inefficient too. Yeah. Where, <laughs> right. Like all of the European, like the romance languages can like more or less kind of figure out what the other ones are saying. You know, if you're going between like French and Spanish, then like you could probably, even if you didn't speak a word of the other language, you could probably have a decent enough conversation or at least point somebody else towards the bathroom. Mm. Like those languages are somewhat compatible Whereas English is such like a weird outlier of a language that just like follows no rules but its own, that if you're going to do any business, you're going to have to learn the it's language. Specific. So and maybe, maybe that that's true of like Chinese too. people. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Call up a linguist. Maybe we've got something here. A certain I, stubbornness of the language that requires absolute knowledge or you'll just be completely useless. You know, I think that you actually... Uh, touched upon something that's really important here. English and Chinese are also both the languages of business. Mm -hmm. I wonder if like the, the plague ink style language game is also in some part about like growing and managing one's economy because, uh, essentially like propagating a language is not only like maybe you get a very simple at the beginning you get to design your own language uh, and decide like how it sounds you could even have a little robot right that just kind of makes these sounds like you could have that microsoft sam or whoever that can speak the, the language hopefully these things have gotten better since microsoft sam <laughs> but then you after you design the language and kind of how it sounds uh you you're kind of in a simulation of both like trying to spread the influence you're um seeing if you create different religions uh or different you're you're basically seeing what cultural triggers um you're trying to create a hit song in the language <laughs> you're trying to uh mm. i i always i mean for me the abcs right every american child has the abc song like stuck in their head it's the twinkle twinkle little star song and like it, it helps that our alphabet is like concise in that way, or there's a there's a sing song equality to it. Um, so I wonder if if there's things like dressings or uh, attributes that you could also use to spread the influence of your language. That's true. Yeah. Because um, I mean, certain languages like they don't. When you hear a song from a culture, like often that song does not work in another language. Right. Yeah. Right. Like all of the JRPG <laughs> games, when they translate those songs to English, you're like, this is slightly strange sounding. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is kind of, uh, it feels like it's dancing kind of dangerously close to having, like choosing a certain like race of people and kind of like mm. propagating their culture and spreading it throughout the world. You know, it feels very kind of like, uh, feel, feels a bit imperialist and like it could be used by the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Um, it would be great if we can kind of microcosm all of this and maybe it's like the group of cavemen that have just evolved the um, capacity for language and it is really just like, you know, a handful of people in a tribe and it's all about kind of like spreading it um, very, very close by or, or just like a group of oh. tribes throughout a certain region, something that doesn't imply that people from a certain part of the world are qual qualitatively different or better than or less than people from another part of the world, which is something that I know a lot of uh, real world people struggle with um, thinking about. I wonder if there's something to, um, I don't 
there was a game recently. I don't want to mention the game if people haven't played it yet, but uh, it is a popular recent game where uh, you, the player, encounter someone who speaks a different language. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is your job to sort of interact with the tools that you have in front of you to decipher um, what this individual is saying to you. And so I wonder if uh, uh, the way to spread language is really to teach language. And the, the way to teach a language effectively, okay, now this is a broad generalization, obviously, I don't teach languages, but um, my hypothesis is, is a way to teach language effectively is to learn the other person's language so that you can tell them, for example, your mm-hmm. word for chair is my word for chair. Um, and maybe this game is a lot more mass effectian or something. I know we, uh, Mike's coming in with a plague ink style game, but maybe this is about like, it could be a zoomed out view where you just are like people talking to other people, but you're going around to different leaders. They're speaking to you. You don't understand them. They don't understand you. Uh, and you are trying to be the first person on the map uh, to really understand the construction of the languages that have been generated that you're dealing with, and then to teach them what the construction of your language is that matches the parts of their language. I wonder if instead of teaching them, you know, chair means chair, and you know what what their words mean in your language. That requires a certain amount of investment or uh, wanting to learn mm. that not everyone might have. You know, if there's no reason to learn a language, then like you're very unmotivated to undertake such a arduous and uh, difficult task. Uh, so maybe we can kind of take the the model of you know English into Japanese, where you're introducing new concepts. You know, I always think about like how much German can the average person speak. Not much except for words that really can only be used in German. So, you know, there's no other word for schnitzel or, you know, a lot of foods <laughs> don't translate. Yeah. Um, you know, we, there's a schadenfreude. It's a very um, useful word that we just don't have a word for in English. And so we've just defaulted to using the German word for it. And so, you know, maybe after the introduction of enough new concepts, um, this could be kind of a simulation kind of like a civilization has aspects of this where you are balancing different trees of uh investment of energy and time into perhaps researching the language or building the structure of the language especially if this is kind of like a pigeon language emerging into a full-fledged language uh some tower of babel type of scenario where you're starting from scratch and you have to build something of your own you could you know, put some resources towards developing the language and therefore it would be more useful. Perhaps more people would, uh, would, uh, um, embrace it because it has, you know, uses across, um, across all different types of situations. Maybe there's, uh, alternatively, you could put resources towards, uh, popularizing it or advertising it, marketing it, um, that it's a kind term for it, like making it the thing that the popular kids on the playground are speaking. And that way, you know, people just day to day when they're using slang or whatever, then it, 
it comes through in that language. Um, mm. I, I'm sure there's a lot to be gained from like places that have dual languages and how people kind of switch in and out of the different um, languages, like uh, um, Creole areas or, uh, you know, um, Eastern Canada, where there's a lot of or English even Mexico, French. like it's um, definitely Spanish, English, yeah, or for Canada, sure. French, English. The, I think like to the email of, uh, you know, the virus is, is trying to take over the world. The a language is kind of trying to take over the world, but it also for me in many ways is like, can you at least become the second language that many places speak? Because I think that that's what you'll find is like most places speak whatever their native languages. And then they also have like the fallback language or a language so that they can, uh, you know, communicate with the, maybe the other countries in their region or something like that. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting game and it's all about, uh, or an interesting idea for a game rather. And it, to me, it all comes down to what method of influence do you pick to be the the proof point of what a language is is it like you could like very civilization right you can have the biggest army you can occupy countries and guess what you're all learning um uh, language six uh, that's the title of my new language language six it's not a great title but it doesn't matter because i'm occupying it but the or is it an influence thing is it i love the idea of this um having just being about generating media in your language making songs and doing posters or making funny videos or something like that. Like, I wonder what the future of language looks like now that, you know, a kid can grow up with access to YouTube videos in any language they, they want. Can somebody learn a language just by being exposed through autoplay content? I don't know. Anyways, we are out of time there. Let's come up with a name for this and uh, wrap it up. Hmm. There's the, uh, there's the the phrase "watch your language." Watch your language. That's not bad. What? You, <laughs> uh, I got one for you because um, I know you like a good pun. World of Wordcraft. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Let's <laughs> let's claim it for our own. All right. Thank you very much, Mike Esquera, again uh, for the wonderful game pitch, and we might just. Get around to doing another one of your emails next week if we don't receive um, other uh, other new game ideas in the meantime. Uh, as we said, we're running a little bit low right now, so if you don't want us to start digging through our spam folder, then uh, please do email us at playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast, and in all of those instances, it is spelled P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. Yeah, and we've said before on the show, it doesn't have to be a big, huge production of a pitch. You could simply say, hey, here's two games. Can you smash them together? Maybe you've been playing some old games for comfort during the COVID crisis. Maybe share a couple of comfort games that you've been playing, and we can see if we can smash them together and make the ultimate comfort food, which I guess is like... What, ravioli filled with macaroni or something like that? Mm, a lot of pasta. <laughs> Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And when you get a chance, go check out the other great shows on the Kane and Rinse podcast network, like Kane and Rinse and Sound of Play and the Sausage Factory. Great shows. Hours of gaming. 
entertainment. Take us out of the show. You had another round of this uh, government this memo games. game. Yeah, government memo games. That okay. Up with. Here we go. I'm going to get a little harder on you. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. In a large American metropolis, a man named Redacted, a private investigator of the supernatural, is seeking revenge for the death of his Redacted. The world is waiting for Redacted is no ordinary man. And when his father's redacted in hand, he must enter the redacted and avenge mankind. It was sounding like Max Payne for a little bit a there. A little bit, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so there, there's an investigator. An investigator, yes. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, it's a short see. summary, so, dude. That's the whole summary. There's no extra part to it. Okay, all right. All right, so let's let's run through this kind of bit by bit once more. So, in an American metropolis, right? So we're talking big city, big right. city. A man named Redacted. You can't know that. A, a private investigator of the supernatural is seeking revenge for the death of his Redacted. The world is waiting for Redacted is no ordinary man, and with his father's Redacted in hand, he must enter the Redacted and avenge mankind. He must enter the redacted is the most interesting part of that. Yes. This sounds like a, I mean, sounds like control as well, which is, you know, obviously not a male main character, so it wouldn't work here. But one of the things that I think this game does expose is video game plots get a little samey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So he has to enter, enter something. This feels like a, like an alternate dimension or something like that too. Expose. He has to take something from it's his father, it's a family heirloom. If you need to phone a friend, I'm willing to give you uh, either the game's rating or uh, <laughs> the uh, the original era of platform. Since this comes from Metacritic, would there be any like little quotes of reviews that wouldn't give away the oh, game? Oh, that's might... fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay here we go i got one here um okay <laughs> i just want to pick the right one uh okay here we go uh quite possibly this is from hot games that gave it a 100 mm -hmm. quite possibly the game of the year if you liked onimusha then redacted will definitely possess you ah okay so possess seems like a pun used in that case uh, uh let's see <laughs> i'm thinking this is something like hotel dusk or oh uh, gosh um paranormal investigators there was a series of games on the playstation 2 that focused around a detective and one of them was a blair witch spinoff game oh man i gotta tell you PlayStation 2 is just about the right place to be looking, my guy. All right. Uh. <laughs> that's your, that's, I do like the <laughs> idea of the review as the hint. Uh, that's very funny. <laughs> oh, All right. Um, here's, here's a GameSpy quote. Here's a GameSpy okay. review excerpt. The fastest, sexiest, loudest, and like all things spawned from the bowels of hell intensely addictive assault on your senses to hit the ps2 thus far oh gosh is this like killer seven? Ooh, that is incorrect and <laughs> <laughs> um you uh here here is the summary of the game non-redacted this is the i'm declassifying the summary okay All right. <laughs> in a large american metropolis 
a man named Dante, a private investigator of the supernatural. What? (laughs) Is seeking revenge for the death of his mother and brother. The world is waiting for Dante is no ordinary man. And with his father's sword in hand, he must enter the demon realm and avenge mankind. All right. Okay. I did not know that Dante was a private investigator. investigator. Yeah. I, I don't really recall that either. But now that they say it, Devil May Cry is the name of the, like, the investigative wow. unit. Yeah. That he, okay. He runs. So there you go. Devil May Cry on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> That's a good one. I like this game. We can uh, we can circle back to this. This is fun. This is a good way to kind of inject some uh, new life into the podcast. I'm going to uh, uh, compile a good list of them, and I'll I'll range them from easier to hard, just so I don't give you too many uh, too many oppressive games in a row. Before we close out here, I want to find out what this Blair Witch game was on the PS2 and what its prequel was. <laughs> really stupid is i just clicked on the it said devil may cry also available on switch so i clicked on the switch version of devil may cry different summary okay legends tell of a demon swordsman named sparta who awoke to justice and rebelling it but you know what look at here here we go uh a dark figure named dante private investigator of the supernatural so they both get there i'm just finding the recent which game i said playstation 2 the new new one or, or an older one no because the new like, one's just called blair witch again right yeah oh gosh there's a there's a playstation 2 game it's a japanese horror game that was like super niche it spawned a sequel which utilizes the same core characters as the super niche japanese horror game mm. that was um that was like i don't I guess it must have been like a sponsorship thing, but it was tied into the fiction of the Blair Witch. And so it was oh, wow. like funded as a Blair Witch video game, but it was really just like a passion project from this this team that had created this niche Japanese horror game. I guess we can put that out to the audience. If you know what game we're talking about, then please write in because it's kind of driving me crazy right now. Blair Witch. Yeah, I definitely don't know. But that is why I get to be the quizzer. <laughs> All right. Um, that'll that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.